watching around the world today. We're so thankful for you. Hopefully, uh, you are able to have a good day today. We are continuing our series called Easter. Oh, crap. It's Esther. I'm just kidding. It's Esther. We're good to go. We're still in our series called Esther. And what we're walking through, and I believe it hits a lot of us, is the season that we're in. Uh, many of us have been there or are there. Uh, sometimes we feel like we're distant from God. We don't hear from God, like he's silent, like he's far away. And what the book of Esther reminds us of is no matter what, God is always at work around us wherever we are. Uh, and so what we get to be reminded of today is that. And so I will tell you personally, the most unlikeliest of seasons, the most unlikeliest of uh, people God has worked through because he works through me. So for you, that can be the same. And that's what the book of Esther is all about because he is at work to bring glory to his name and he's working it out for our good. But the, the thing that we can celebrate today is we are never alone in whatever season we're in. Amen? All right, I hear some amens. We're good, we're good. All right, so today we're gonna continue. Last week we were in Esther 1. We talked about whether we were gonna live for the empire. Dun, 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 dun. I'm just kidding, we could get there. The empire or the kingdom and what that played out, the ramifications of that. We're going to continue to kind of build upon that here as we're going to be in Esther 2 today. So if you don't have a Bible, go ahead and get to Esther 2, or if you don't have a Bible, we'll give you one free for the asking to help you get to Esther 2. Uh, if, you, if you do have a Bible, go ahead and get there. What you want to do is cut your Bible in half. You're going to land in Psalms flip to the right. You'll see Esther buried there with the minor prophets. Uh, our Vine Production team's incredible. They're going to make sure that wherever you're watching around the world, the scripture is on the screen, but we say it all the time. If you'll go to the vine.tv slash app, it'll ask for your phone number. In that free app, that the link it will send you to our church app, uh, you can take notes today and follow along with us. So while you are getting to Esther 2 today, uh, I just want to give you the message, and I got a little, little thing I want to show you here. So Today, last week we talked about the empire of the kingdom. Today we're going to be talking about the fortress or the promise. The fortress or the promise. The fortress or the promise. So while you're getting there, I, uh, the fortress or the promise. So while you're getting there, today, no, nothing special is going to happen. Don't get all crazy on this. We're going to come back to this at the very end, okay? This will make sense at the very end. We're coming back to this. So what you see here uh, is, is, is a rose that is on its last leg probably, but we have a rose today. 
So today, uh, it's a reminder. Austin reminded you, uh, guys, this is my friendly reminder to you. Next week is Mother's Day. Just a heads up. Now, no, no, the mother's in your life's favorite flower. It may not be roses. My mother loved carnations, but maybe it's hydrangeas, sunflower seeds, daisies, daffodils, lilies, something with baby's breath, something with lavender. I don't know, but just a reminder, get your flowers ready to go. But there is a rose that we're going to come back to at the end, okay? The other thing that a rose will tell you, uh, husbands, you know this, uh, is usually when flowers are broke out, not just on special occasions, birthdays, anniversaries, graduations, uh, I actually called the plumber to fix something instead of doing it on my own, whatever that is, whatever it looks like, usually when the flowers are breaking out, there's been some tension, there's been some conflict, likely some silence, but when the flowers come out, reconciliation is at hand, right? Like it is like you finally surrendered to some reconciliation. Like I can't do it, but the florist can. So that's the thing that we're going to have, the mindset we're going to have as we're going to be in Esther 2 today, uh, as we're talking about the fortress or the promise, the fortress or the promise. So if you've got your Bible, we're going to be starting in verse 1. Just some background in case it's your first time getting to hang back out with us or uh, you kind of missed last week. Last week was Esther one, we kind of dated where this is. There's this king called Xerxes. He's gone in the land. He had a queen named Vashti, uh, and, and he dethroned her, basically. He told her because she didn't do uh, what he wanted her to do to be an object of his desire, he dethroned her, and the search for a new queen is about to happen. So that you have a uh, historical reference where this is, 300, okay? This is King Xerxes in 300. Thermopylae is happening uh, between Esther 1 and Esther 2. It's about three years, uh, and that is when Thermopylae happens. So King Xerxes goes to Greece first, uh, and he actually starts to have a little headway, and he doesn't defeat them, but he goes to Greece a second time, and they push him back, and that is where uh, we see he is retreating, and that's where he is right now in Esther 2. If you're with me, give me an amen. All right, we're here. We're going to have some teaching today. So Esther 2, verse 1 through 4, as you're all looking at the rose up here, it's all right. We're going to serve a risen Savior, so it's going to be a good time. So Esther 2, verse 1 through 4 says this. Later when King Xerxes' fury had subsided, uh, he remembered Vashti and what she had done and what he had decreed about her. So this is, so, so King Xerxes is there. He is, uh, he's, he's there. He's trying to figure out what's going on. He's losing a war, and he's all alone. It's a country song, y'all. Verse one's a country song. We just need a dog in there that left them too, and we're ready to go, okay? He's there. He's wallowing in his pity, and he remembers, oh yeah, I divorced someone three years ago. Uh, I need to find a wife, and maybe that'll make me happy. So this is where he is, and he's about to take some advice. The king's personal attendants proposed, let a search be made For beautiful young virgins for the king, let the king appoint commissioners in every province of his realm to bring all these beautiful young women into the harem at the citadel of Susa. Let them be placed under the care of Haggai, the king's eunuch, who is in charge of the women, and let the beauty treatments be given to them. Then let the young woman who pleases the king be queen instead of Vashti. This advice appealed to the king, and he followed it. So King Xerxes is at this crazy place as we're talking about whether we're going to be in the fortress or the promise. He's in a crazy place. He's, he's got a tear in his beer, as, as Hank Williams Sr. would say. He's at this low, low spot, 
And all of a sudden he says, well, I'm going to ask these advisors. Now, mind you, these same advisors were the ones who said, uh, send a decree in the land to let all the women know that men are over them because of what Vashti has done. These same advisors are the one that says, hey, if you want to eclipse your father's glory, your father's name, go into Greece, conquer Greece, and that'll be what gets you a win. Now, at this moment, outside looking in, when you think about this, if I've got bad advice from these guys, even at my worst point, I'm not going to take advice from them anymore. Would you? Like, there's a moment I wouldn't take advice from them. Like, all of a sudden, he's got nothing but loss from them. Think about this. He is miserable, he's lost his wife, and he's losing a war. So let's ask him for advice, right? Like, is that the person you're going to, like, if you have a, let's think logically, if you have a financial advisor and all they do is lose your money, are you going to keep going back to that person? Yet at his lowest point, Xerxes is like where we are at our lowest point. Even the worst advice may seem like the best advice. When we're distant from God, when we're in a season where we're mired in misery and mired in ourself, we're mired in loss, we think sometimes the worst advice is the best advice. And before we get on our high horse and think we've never been there, let's be real, we've all been there. And before we beat up Xerxes for what he's doing, let's be real. We all watch probably television shows that do what Xerxes doing, is doing right now. The Bachelor, Bachelorette, 90-day fiancé, love in, in uh, Walhalla, I don't know, love in whatever it is, like whatever they, they have the counties they're in, like I don't know, whatever it is, you know, all my exes live in Walhalla, I don't know, I'm just saying, wherever you're at, uh, right near Bobby Wood Chevrolet, right? I'm just saying it. We'd probably get kicked off for me saying that. I don't even know if that's available anymore. I just remember he used to do commercials. So all that to say, that's where he is. And so before we beat him up, we do the same thing. We think we can find something in this world. And sometimes when we do that, the world's going to give us what seems like really good advice. Right now, really good advice is everybody's like, the market is tanking. Monday, it's going to take back off. Or calamity, the sky's falling, it's 2008, like all of this, if you get caught up in the world, that, that what seems like good advice is probably really bad advice. That is where Xerxes is. Where he is right now is he's, he's out there trying to grow his name, grow his fame. As a matter of fact, Xerxes walks around and says he's the king of kings. If you look back over history, if you ever study anything about it, that's what he does. He goes and, and, and he is God himself to everyone. He wants them to worship him. He is the king of his own heart, if you will. And so he goes out, and, and, and once again, I, I will say, I've been there, we've all been there. Before we beat Xerxes up, when's the last time we said, I'll show them they're wrong? Just wait till I get a shot at it. That's where Xerxes is. And he's at the worst, worst possible place. So verse 5 through 7 says this. Because he's at this really bad place, he winds up in the citadel. So it says, now there is, not the citadel in Charleston, a different citadel, okay? Uh, now there was in the citadel of Susa a Jew of the tribe of Benjamin named Mordecai, son of Jer, son of Shemel, son of Kish, who had been carried into exile from Jerusalem by Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, among those taken captive with Jehoiakim, king of Judah. What a sentence. What a mouthful. Just a reminder, we talked about this last week. Isaiah prophesied, uh, and, and God speaks through Isaiah. Israel's turned their back on God. They've rebelled against him in the promised land, and God says, you were going to go into captivity for 70 years. If you read somewhere around Isaiah 50, he says, after 70 years, 
I'm going to let you come back to the promised land, and I'm telling you to come back. If you've ever read the minor prophet Ezra or Nehemiah, those are where those books come from, is the exile and coming back to Jerusalem. But here's the thing. Not everyone went back. This is where Esther and Mordecai are. Now, this is 100 years after that captivity started. So 30 years after the people have gone back to Jerusalem, Mordecai and Esther stayed behind in the Persian Empire near the citadel of Susa. So Mordecai had a cousin named Hadassah. You're like, who is that? You're going to find out. Whom he had brought up because she had neither father nor mother. This young woman, who was also known as Esther, so Hadassah is Esther, had a lovely figure and was beautiful. Mordecai had taken her as his own daughter when her mother and father died. Look at the two things here. Look at these two families. King Xerxes has pushed everyone away, therefore he is all alone. Esther has lost everything, lost mother, father, family, and Mordecai has taken her in. Guys, this is a picture of what Jesus does for us. This is the gospel right here. Like, even when we feel like we're all alone, even when we feel like everything's against us, Jesus is with us. Like, he makes a place for all of us to have a place. And so I want to tell you really quickly, you know how I get really nerdy, so hang in here with me. Uh, Let me tell you, the name Mordecai uh, means little man. In Persian, it means uh, worshiper of Mars. Go figure. So Mordecai means little man. Hadassah, uh, Esther's birth name in Hebrew is Myrtle. You knew Myrtle Beach was going to come up in this, didn't you? You Let me tell you what Myrtle is in Hebrew. It means peace. It's a sign of peace. When's the last time Myrtle Beach was peaceful? I'm just saying. I don't know where you've been, but I'm just saying. I know a lot's changed. So peace. Hadassah means peace. Esther means star. I'm telling you these things because you know we're going to come back to it in a little bit. Star. It's a, it's a variation of Iktar, which is the Persian god of the stars. So Esther is star. Her real name is Hadassah, which is Myrtle, which points to peace. And Mordecai is the little man or the worshiper of Mars. See, what ends up happening here is this is so huge for each and every one of us is because Esther and Mordecai have a choice. They could have either gone back into the promised land as God had decreed but chose not to. They stayed behind. So many of us right now would say, well, they're going to get what they deserve. And we're about to see what's happening in Esther is there's about to be an annihilation of the Jews that happens. Like we, in our brain, we, we, we think of World War II, okay? Like we think, of, we think of the Holocaust, like we think that's a big deal. This is about the, we think that's new to the world. Well, Esther is a book where it's not new to the world. It was actually something that was about to take place. We'll learn about that in later weeks. Like it was about to truly take place. And so Esther and Mordecai are in this place and you would say, well, 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 you chose to stay behind, but God in his grace and mercy didn't leave them behind. He was still with them in every space and every place and everything that they did. So Mordecai and Esther are there, but God does not abandon them. So think about where they are. They're outside of God's promised land. All right, they're outside of God's promise. They feel distant from God. As a matter of fact, Esther, I'll be honest with you, I'm thankful we're in it. It's a hard book to speak through because God isn't even mentioned. So don't hear from God. You just, we just now met Esther and Esther too. So we don't hear from God. They're away from his promise. And so at this moment in time, if we grew up in religion, what would we say? Well, you picked your poison. You decided not to listen to God. You decided to rebel against him. It's your fault, the bad things that are about to happen to you. 
But we serve a God who doesn't stop there. To be quite honest with you, I could stop here and give the invitation because this is who Jesus is for us. We were distant from God, outside of his promise, did nothing to deserve his salvation, his, his favor that's about to fall down, his mercy, his grace. We did nothing to deserve it yet through the person and work of Jesus. He delivers it for us. So we see in Esther 2, verse 5 through 7, Mordecai, Hadassah, or Esther, we, we see them there. We see that they're honestly in a dire situation whether they realize it or not. Yet God doesn't give up on them. Verse 8 through 11. When the king's order and edict had been proclaimed, many young women were brought to the citadel of Susa and put under the care of Haggai. Esther was also taken to the king's palace and entrusted to Haggai, who had charge of the harem. She pleased him and won his favor. Immediately, he provided her with beauty treatments and special food. He assigned to her seven female attendants selected from the king's palace and moved her and her attendants into the best place in the harem. Esther had not revealed her nationality and family background because Mordecai had forbidden her to do so. Every day he walked back and forth near the courtyard of the harem to find out how Esther was and what was happening to her. So we can see Esther did nothing to deserve favor. That she, she, she was just there. And said that she, she, was, she was beautiful, she probably had great character, but there was nothing else that qualified her to even be there outside of that. Like, to have favor. And like, we can point to God and see that's happening. The world would say this is a coincidence, right? It's a coincidence that this favor fell down. But Jesus reminds us, he says, hey, God's favor rains down on the just and the unjust. So even in this moment, we can see how God is lining everything up. And, and I will tell you, we, we were talking through this, and I'll just be honest with you, I can, I can, I can say that because I know uh, I love you guys and I can be there. We were talking about, hey, what's the men's series we're going to do after this leading to Father's Day? Should Mordecai be in it? And I will tell you, uh, I'll be honest with you, Mordecai is going to get celebrated in Esther 13, but he commanded Esther to not be who God created her to be to conceal her identity in order for comfort, an order in hopes. So in other words, they stayed behind outside of God's promised land and it made them not be who they were created to be. And Mordecai says, if you want to make it till tomorrow, you can't tell them who you are, Hadassah. You got to be Esther. And I don't know about you, but we don't serve a God that says we have to keep who we are hidden We actually find who we were created to be only through the person and work of Jesus. And so for each and every one of us, that's what we have to understand. But the world will do that, won't it? How many of us would say that uh, we know good people? All of us, right? Well, they're not really atheists or agnostics. they, They say they know who Jesus is, but realistically, they're undercover Christians. Now, you know me. I'm not talking about street corner prophets who are out there with megaphones telling me I'm going to hell for watching a wrestling match because that ain't it. That ain't it, chief. That's not it. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying, do you have a life that follows what you say and confessing and repenting of your sin and professing Jesus as Lord and Savior? Do you have that? Many of us would say, maybe we don't. That's where Esther and Mordecai are. Yeah, I know who the Jewish God is. I know who Yahweh is. But, man, if I talk about him, I'm going to get killed. If I talk about him, I'm going to lose this job. If I talk about him, I'm not going to have these friends. And see, Paul says all things to all people, and we cling to that 
But at never once did I see Paul, when he's writing that letter, say that we should be disobedient to God and who he created us to be. We're supposed to stay in his will. Even in the wilderness, we are obedient to him. That is where we see this, and that's where it can rub you the wrong way, but we look and see what Jesus does in Revelation. What did he say? You are neither hot nor cold, so I spit you out of my mouth for being lukewarm. Esther and Mordecai are lukewarm at this moment in time. Yet God does not forsake them, nor does he not fulfill his promise. So today, I don't want you to be beaten up by what I'm saying. I want you to know wherever you are, God is still working around you, trying to reveal himself to you to show that he is at work building his kingdom. The question is, will we keep neglecting him or will we walk in surrender to him? So it goes on, uh, Xerxes goes and he asks, hey, how do I find a wife? What's gonna happen? Uh, And so they decide to have their little bachelor episode let's hope this yeah it'll it'll last uh the bachelorette bachelor episode and verse 15 is where we're going to pick up and it says when the turn came for esther the young woman mordecai had adopted the daughter of his uncle abihel to go to the king she asked for nothing other than what Haggai, the king's eunuch was in who was in charge of the harem suggested and esther won the favor of everyone who saw her She was taken to the king Xerxes in the royal residence in the 10th month, the month of Tebeth, and the seventh year of his reign, the month we would call December, Deca. Why is it the 12th month? Side note, sorry. Anyway, uh, the 10th month, so the end of the year, she's taken in. Now the king had attracted... Uh, Now, the king was attracted to Esther more than any of the other women, and she won his favor and approval for more than any of the other virgins. So he set a royal crown on her head, made her queen instead of Vashti, and the king gave a great banquet, Esther's banquet, for all of his nobles and officials. He proclaimed a holiday throughout the provinces and distributed gifts with royal liberality. Basically, the king goes out, he gives gifts, he forgives taxes, and your taxes are forgiven, and your taxes, like everybody, who wants to say, yeah, that's it. But remember the last banquet he had, I don't think Esther was probably in the best place. See, we celebrate this reading this. Hey, Esther's queen, yes, but remember the last queen, the last time a banquet was held? What happened? Like we gloss over this when it comes to Esther. We think, hey, it, we even did this in our Bible Devo, so I'll be real with you. It says that Esther's integrity was perverted. We, we think that she was still a virgin, but I will tell you, history books will tell you she was probably either assaulted or raped when she went to the queen, went to the king. And yet God still worked through that. He still worked through that. Some of us maybe have been in that. Some of us have been in, and and as hard as that is, we, in those seasons, we ask, where is God, don't we? In that hard, hard season, we do. But yet we're gonna see God is still moving and he is still working like the commentaries i was reading for this points to where god has done this in multiple times in the bible if you read in genesis 39 there's there's a story of judah and tamar uh, and how judah had lost two sons and how through tamar this crazy listen y'all if y'all think the bible ain't got no drama read it it's got some good stuff and tamar goes uh and judah ends up getting her pregnant this was his daughter-in-law uh, he gets her pregnant, and she has twins, and it is the restoration of the two sons that Judah lost. If you go back, you can remember, hey, think Joshua. You know, I'm going to talk about some Joshua. Joshua 6, they're going in the walls of Jericho fall. How does Joshua even get into Jericho? Rahab, who is a prostitute, 
leading her own brothel or harem, leading her own brothel, allows the spies in, lets them in and out, and she's the only one in all of Jericho that is spared. Well, why does that matter? Because she leads to one of the greatest love stories in the Bible, Ruth and Boaz. She is, Boaz is, I think, what, grandmother? Mother. Boaz's mother. And then we see Ruth, who didn't know Jesus outside of God's promise, didn't go the Jewish way, loses her husband, goes into God's promise. So we can see God is working all these crazy circumstances, crazy things. So wherever you are in this season of your life, it just feels like it's crazy chaos. Ah, what else is going down? What else is happening? Like, where are you, God? I don't understand what's happening, what's happening, what's happening. Esther and Mordecai are there. Like, Esther and Mordecai are probably really afraid. I would be afraid. Yes, I got to be queen, but like, holy cannoli, did you see what happened to Vashti? Mordecai's sitting there, and he's scared. He's at the gate. He's like, all right, when Esther's ready to run, I got the, I got the, I got the cart ready. We're going, we're going to jet. We're ready to go out the door. We're not going to miss this opportunity to go back to the promised land. We're not. But I can't tell them who I am, because surely if I tell them that I trust the God, the creator God, they're obviously going to kill me. So I just got to survive another day. That may be where we are. So much so in verse 19 and 20, it says, when the virgins were assembled a second time, so the queen isn't, or the king isn't done. He's assembled them again, and Mordecai is sitting at the king's gate. But Esther had kept secret her family background and nationality just as Mordecai had told her to do, for she continued to follow Mordecai's instructions as she had done when, she, when he was bringing her up. So even in the space and place where God seems hidden, the space and place where we feel outside of his promise, the space and place where we don't feel like we hear him, God is still orchestrating things. Paul writes in Romans 8, for his glory, for God's glory, and for our good. Romans 8, 28, right? He's working it out for his glory and our good. And so, today, what Mordecai and Esther had to choose is the same choice we have to make. Last week, we said that we live for the empire or the kingdom. Will they stay in the comfort of the fortress, or will they stay and rest in the promise of God? Well, how do you do that? Well, you say, well, you just, these are, these are vaulted things. So, the real question is, do we work for the rose to get to the next round, or do we live for the risen? See, 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 Esther got the rose, man. She got the rose. Like, Xerxes came out, she got the rose. She looked at all them other clowns and said, y'all will get on next season. Like, she's done. She's already ready to go. She's got the rose. A banquet's thrown in her honor. She's good to go. Her comfort is in the rose, in the fortress. She's safe and secure, right? Nothing can happen because she's the queen. Nothing's going to happen to her. She's going to be taken care of. But we're about to see that false sense of security is about to be broken. See, we do the same thing. We chase the roses of the world. We just try to get to the next round, don't we? And in chasing the roses of this world, we build a fortress around ourselves. Sin will help us do that. And that fortress actually becomes a prison, if we're completely honest. We love Sleeping Beauty in the rose, right? I think it's Sleeping Beauty that the rose is in the little glass, right? I don't know. We'll figure that out. But uh, <laughs> which one it is? We love that. Who was, who's the rose in the glass? Beauty and the Beast. See, I don't do those things. I don't know. I was Aladdin and Little Mermaid. It is what it is. Go flounder. It's my boy. Anyway, so um, all that to say, so you got a rose. We'll chase the roses of this world, won't we? But you see, just like this rose, it has a shelf life, don't it? See, when we chase the rose, what ends up happening is once this rose dies, we've got to go check and get the other one. 
We've got to chase the next one. We've got to go to the next fortress. We've got to go to the next thing that seems secure. And we'll continually serve the empire of this world and we'll miss out on serving the risen, the person and work of Jesus and resting in his promise and being able to be a part of the kingdom being built in and through us for all of eternity. So the thing is, the rose will surely die, but when we work for the rose, we will too. But yet, when we serve and, and, and don't work for the risen, but receive the risen, we've already died to ourselves so that we can live in the promise. So the question is, are we going to keep working for the rose are we going to receive the risen? You see, when we are in a space and a place we never dreamed that Jesus wanted us to be is when we start working for the rose. That's where Esther and Mordecai are. They're working for the rose. They're just surviving. And I just want to tell you, Jesus didn't come for us to survive, did he? If it was all about survival, then what are we even doing here? Like, if it's about survival, we might as well just be in heaven right now because there's no other point to be here. But Jesus came, John 10, 10, says, I've come that they may have life and have it to the full. Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 through 30, he reminds us, hey, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. In other words, he is saying, stop working to earn the rose and surviving and start resting in my promise. So wherever we are right now, I wonder if we are like Mordecai and Esther. We're in the world and we look like the world so much that the world thinks, as religion will do, that we're chasing the rose, not living for the risen. Because it's so easy to do, isn't it? Hey, it's going to be really easy to do come November because come election time, we're going to look at the rows of the right, the left, the wacky, the loony, the blah, 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 the election, all that crazy stuff, right? We're going to chase the rows of that, right? Guess what? It's going to be another election in 2024. It's going to be another thing that happens. It's just a rose. When we live for the risen, we understand that we don't serve a party. We don't serve something that, that runs around that is our salvation in this world. Instead, we serve a king who is our salvation, that is Jesus Christ. And so the world has to know that. The world has to see this. But what we can see through the beauty of Esther's story, beauty and the beast, it works out perfect. The beauty of Esther's story is in the midst of disobedience, in the midst of being outside of God's promise, the midst of being outside of his will, he still did not neglect or abandon us. He's not gonna do that to Mordecai or Esther either. He's not gonna do that. See, all of a sudden, uh, the, the difference in these banquets, like if I'm Esther, I told you, I'm freaking out. If I'm Esther, I'm freaking out because I remember what happened when Vashti was there. Remember, we said that she probably appeared wearing nothing but a crown. That's what he wanted to do. Her to be an object of his desire period, and then throw her away. That's what he wanted to do with Vashti. So if I'm Esther, like she's gone through 12 months of, 12 months of hair and makeup, y'all. 12 months. 12 months. 12 months to put a mask on. 12 months to put a face on. 12 months to hide her identity. 12 months, a solid year. Like how many times, if you've ever been there and you're an undercover Christian, how many times is it like, oh my God, what am I going to do when they find out? See, Jesus didn't die for that, for us to be worried about what happens when they find out. He died so that we can share him with the world and say, it's great to be fully known. It's great to be fully known. You can have rest being fully known. But you see, here's the thing. We think if we just get the next rose, we'll have salvation, right? We'll have our salvation, and we'll go and we'll try to save everybody else before we can be saved ourselves. Like, I don't know about you, I'm a, I'm a serve, like that's, at times that's 
that, that's where I can find myself. I'm, I'm trying to help everybody else get that oxygen mask on before I put my own on. You see, God's maybe talking to you right now, and maybe he's reminding you that, hey, I had to save you first before you can be a part of the salvation of others. And that's where Esther and Mordecai are. He sets them apart, puts them in a place to where the salvation of his people could come. So let me ask you, with a rose, what kind of security do you get? Because let me ask you, how many of those work out? I don't, I don't really get to watch those shows much. You know I don't get to watch TV. I'm sorry. Uh, I do, but I, I, I would get lost in it. Uh, there's a few shows that I do. I'm sorry, Chicago. Chicago series on Wednesdays. I usually watch those. But um, how many of those marriages work out when they get the rose? Has any of them worked out yet? <laughs> Seven of them have. None of them really, right? And then they have the, the bachelorette comeback. It's kind of like Survivor. Like, it's not just that you won Survivor. Now we have Survivor All-Stars. Like, you know, like, it's just got to keep going and going and going and going and going. And you keep chasing the rose, the rose, the rose, the rose, the rose. And think about the one-night stands that happen on that. It's we believe so much in love at first sight and fate and that this is it. And, oh, they've, yeah, I just wanted to work out for them so much because if it works out for them, maybe it will for me. And Jesus comes along and says, I've already worked it all out for you. I've already risen. We just celebrated an empty tomb. I've already risen from the dead. I've conquered the thing you fear the most, which is death, and that's what you're worried about if they find out about you. So let them kill you. Let them kill that body. Let them do it, because I've already raised you up. And so the question is, do we get stuck with the rose, or, and this false sense of security in the fortress serving the empire, or, Do we receive the person and work of Jesus? Do we rest in the risen, rest in the promise of God for eternal security in his kingdom? Because see, the fortresses of this world will fall. No doubt about it. They're going to fall. But the kingdom that he is building will not. So I'm going to come back to just a second. So, pop, pop quiz, pop quiz. Esther's name means what? We said her second. Esther, the, her, her Persian name, Star, right? Star. So let's think about this, Star. Her, her birth name was Hadassah, which is Myrtle, 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 or Peace, right? So think about this. We just celebrated Christmas four months ago. God used a star to point people outside of his promise to the peace that they could find through Jesus Christ, right? Those magi, he leads them from the east. Where's, where's Xerxes coming from? The East, outside of God's promise, he leads them to a star. But you see, the thing about it is uh, the world would say that Jesus was just a carpenter from Galilee. He was a prophet, maybe Elijah, maybe, maybe John the Baptist, but definitely not the Messiah. So he was a little man to the world, not accomplishing great things, right? So God uses a star to make the foolish wise. He uses a star to point to the peace that we are all searching for in the little man in a... <laughs> Let's think, in a, in a little bitty manger, he takes that, and the world would say there's no way, there's no way that he can. Why, why did the world say that Jesus was a little man? Because he wasn't for his glory. He wasn't walking around when he comes in as the triumph, and when he comes in on Palm Sunday, how can you not overthrow Rome? How can you not do these things? See, he wasn't living for his own glory, but instead, he wasn't trying to outdo his father's glory. He took his father's glory. He humbled himself, took his father's glory, and shared it with us. So you see, the story of our salvation is right here in Esther. The star, 
that brought and pointed to the peace that only Jesus could give through this little man that the world presses down that says, there's no way he's successful. Christians, that's our story. The world will keep telling us we're not successful. Well, how many roses do you have? It's the, I don't have any. It's fine. Like, that's fine. I don't know. I just, I serve the risen. I serve the, I'm working on something that's not going to be seen fully in this world. I get to serve a kingdom that's going to be fully built on the other side of eternity. I get to serve a king that said, I'm going to tear down the temple in three days, and I'm going to rebuild it. And the world said, there's no way that you can do that. Solomon couldn't do that. How in the world are you going to do that? And Jesus says, hey, it's, I'm going to do it through each and every one of you. And so whatever season you're in right now, I want you to see the importance of serving the risen and seeing how Jesus is working this out. Even in the Old Testament, it points to him. But many won't come to Jesus. You feel like he's judging you. Really, you feel like he's disappointed in you. And I want to tell you, there's nowhere in here when Jesus goes to that cross where he says how disappointed he is in us. As a matter of fact, John 17 reminds us he prays for unity for all of us and he talks about the Father's glory being revealed through him so that he could share it with us, us being part of the family, us having an opportunity, us being outside of his promise, being outside of his will, living in disobedience, now having a way to experience the peace that we were created to experience through creator God, through Father God. He, Jesus comes and does that. So wherever you are right now, maybe you feel like Jesus is judging you and he isn't. See, Jesus, he didn't just give us a rose. He chose us in spite of us. Flaws and all. And I don't know about you, but that's a long list of flaws I got that he still chose me. And I'm willing to bet if you will surrender to him and reach out to him, he'll show you how he receives you too. He chose us. He chose us. And through that, we find out our real identity. We find out who we were created to be. We have a purpose for this life. We have meaning for this life. When the the governments come and go, the taxes come and go, when those things come and go, we realize those aren't our salvation. They aren't our hope. Only Jesus is. So if you're listening or watching right now, I just want to remind the most famous verse in the Bible, you see it everywhere, John 3.16, but I want to remind you what John 3.16 and 17 says when it says, when you think Jesus may be judging you, trying to give you a rose, he arose, he left an empty tomb, he don't need no roses. John 3.16 says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Not condemning, not judging, not trying to have a beauty contest of who looks the best to give you a rose. He's got arms wide open saying, will you come and receive him? See, the thing is, just like Esther and Mordecai, there's nothing that they could have done to earn their salvation. Yet God made a way. And that's where we are. Sin leaves us in a fortress. Sin leaves us in a false sense of security. And we try to be our own salvation. But God said, I created you for more. See, we couldn't be righteous. Our sin could not make us righteous. We could not not be in a relationship with God that we were created to be in. And so Jesus comes along and he lives the perfect sinless life we couldn't live. But he doesn't stop there. Does the death we deserve on the cross, paying the penalty for that sin. So we don't even have to fear death itself. He rose again on the third day so that we don't have to wait for eternity for his kingdom to be built through us. We get to live it now. 
And so the reason we do what we do every week is this, this moment, this opportunity. Number one, so that hearts would be awakened to Christ for the first time. But number two, that those who are in Jesus would be reminded that no matter what season you're in, no matter what you're walking through, he is there with you. So with every head bow and every eye closed, I'm gonna ask you to repeat this prayer after me. It's not the words of this prayer that saves you, but the faith. What we're gonna be praying in this prayer is we're gonna confess and repent our sins, and we're gonna receive this free gift of salvation that Jesus came, lived, died, and rose again to give us. So please repeat these words after me. Dear Jesus, I believe I'm a sinner, separated from you. I believe you came, lived the perfect sinless life I couldn't live, died the death I deserve, paying the penalty for my sins on the cross, but loved me enough not to stay dead, but rose again on the third day so that I may have life. Come take over my life, Lord. Teach me to follow you step by step the rest of my life the best way I know how. With every head bow and every eye closed, whether you're watching online or you're in the house, I'm going to ask you to boldly respond on the count of three by raising your hand if it's the first time you've received this free gift of salvation from Jesus. You've stopped relying on the fortress you've built around yourself, chasing the rose, but instead you've received the risen and resting in his promise. One, two, three. If that's you, would you raise your hand? If you're online right now, you may see a hand that's raised. You may not. Maybe you're listening right now. Would you leave a comment and let us know if that's the next step that you've taken? Would you reach out to us at prayer at thevine.tv or even leave us a message in our app? Wherever you are right now, please let us know. And the reason that is we want to celebrate this step with you because this is a starting block, not the finish line. We want to help you get connected with a local church wherever you're watching because that is your next step today if you just received this free gift of salvation. If the rest of us, you can look up and we're about, to, we're about to worship, but I just pray that we would be reminded in this season how through Christ we've stopped chasing the rose, how we can rest in the risen, we can rest in his promise. We don't have to worry about the fortress we've built around ourselves. We don't have to worry about, oh my goodness, what happens when they find out? We can rest in the promise. And then resting in him and resting in the promise will point to him in all that we do as he is molding and shaping us into who we were created to be. So would you please stand and sing?
Well, what an awesome day. I didn't get the rose. I'm sorry. Whatever that is. Uh, what an awesome day we've had today. And, and we're so thankful that you have spent time with us. It's an honor and privilege to spend time with you. We hope you make plans to be here for Mother's Day next week. We've got all kinds of cool surprises. Uh, maybe some roses are involved. I don't know. We'll see how that goes. Uh, we'll see if the delivery truck makes it. Uh, it was on a SpaceX flight coming in. I don't know. We'll see what happens. So wherever you are, we love to hang out with you next week. Make plans to be here. We got a seat saved for you. Have an awesome week. Remember, Jesus is not condemning you. He is not judging you. He is standing there with open arms. And we get to be a part of his risen from the dead. We get to be a part of his promise. We get to be a part of the peace that he came to bring us because we've surrendered to him. Have an awesome week. And always remember, the best is still yet to come.